Welcome to the Freshman Foundation Podcast, helping you make the jump from high school athletics to the collegiate level and beyond with your host, Michael Huber. How do college student-athletes find their way academically in their freshman year? Athletic departments across America have academic success teams that focus on bringing a vast array of resources to incoming freshmen in order to make their transition to college as seamless as possible. Divine Franklin is that person for Clemson University's football program, one of the two most successful programs in the U.S. over the past 10 years or so. In this episode, Divine talks about how Clemson built a culture of academic excellence that aligns with its on-field performance. Divine also talks about the very real challenges freshman student-athletes face despite having many academic resources at their disposal. I'm really excited for this conversation. Let's build your foundation with Divine Franklin. Hey, Divine, how's it going? It's going good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me here. For those listening that don't know you, can you tell everybody who you are and what you do? Yes, for sure. Um, so my name is Devon Franklin. Um, I'm the Associate Director for Football Academics here at Clemson, um, and that's essentially an academic coordinator role. Um, I work specifically with the student-athletes and helping them maintain um, their eligibility and then also um, working towards graduation. Excellent. So could you tell me a little bit about like a day in the life? You know, what is, what is it that you do every single day that, that goes into that job? So it's a lot, um, but every day is definitely different. Um, obviously, just working with so many different student athletes, um, they all come from different backgrounds. They all have different educational interests slash struggles. So every day looks different. Um, and Obviously, you're doing your job right if things look different because you're not dealing with the same issues every day. Um, but essentially, a day in the life, uh, you're coming into work, um, especially in the season, a little bit early. I try to get into the office around 730 or so um, and kind of get some me time to myself, check some emails, see what assignments guys had you know, this week coming up so that I can follow up with them to make sure that you know they're getting those things done, really. And then... Also in that same, you know, process is looking up tutoring appointments. Um, maybe even again, like I said, seeing if a guy had an exam, reaching out to them to see if they still have a project that they might need to work on with their tutor or do we need to cancel their tutoring session? Um, and then, you know, obviously we have some different meetings here and there just from a staff standpoint, but a lot of my day consists of getting some one-on-one -on -one time with the guys um, and making sure, you know, that life is fine. One of the questions I always ask is, did you talk to your mom today? So just, you know, seeing if they have that connection with family and what's that like. And then sometimes that brings up something. Oh, no, I normally talk to her, but this is going on. Or, you know, yeah, actually I did talk to her. My brother has a little league game today or different things like that. So that start that typically starts a question. Um, I always tell the guys that, you know, this is not just a homework place. Like I'm not just a person that's going to say, hey, did you do your homework? But really, truly get to know them for who they are, because and that helps me help them with their, you know, their educational journey, just based off interest and different things in that way. Yeah, I, I, actually, I'm curious, right? So how do you how do you track all of that, right? Like, what's the system 
or the software that you use to track all those inputs, right? There's information coming in from the professors. There's information yeah. coming in from the kid. And obviously you can see it and you're interfacing with that. So what does that look like? I'm just, I'm curious about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so honestly, there's so many different systems and programs. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of it is institutional based, depending on what school you've been at. And so I've been at Baylor. Um, I've been at Virginia Tech. I was a graduate assistant at West Virginia and now here at Clemson. So like I've been a little bit everywhere and, Mm -hmm. All those schools use some of the same programs, but also all those schools use a different program or a way of tracking those things. So here specifically, um, we have a thing called Canvas, which most schools have. And that's kind of the system where a lot of professors put up lectures and homework and different things. So mm -hmm. when I have those one on one meetings with guys, they'll come in and we'll go over those um, in their syllabi to make sure that they're on track. Um, look at instructions for different papers or or projects mm -hmm. to make sure that they're doing what they need or have the resources that they need for those um, materials and such. Um, and then from a grade tracking standpoint, every school I've been at, we've done something different where we kind of make our own sheet on Excel or Word and different things in that way. And we kind of just, again, keep track of those so then we can have conversations with the coaches if needed, um, if a guy isn't doing well. But then I'm also the guy where I'll text a coach like, hey, such and such is doing what he's supposed to do. You know, like you don't want to just be the guy we're preparing, you know, bad news. Uh, the coaches don't want to talk to you if you're only giving them bad news. Mm -hmm. The players don't want to talk to you if you're only yelling at them and doing different things. So like trying to have that perfect balance of enforcing them to do the right thing and teaching and showing them that, that. And then also, you know, patting them on the back when they do what they're supposed to. Um, again, not too many rewards in that way, because that's what you're supposed to do, but letting them know that you care and that you're excited for them. Um, we have some guys that are 3.0 plus students and we have some guys that are 2.0 plus students, you know, and their, their academic goals are different or their different achievements or success looks different. So, I might praise a guy for getting a C because he did the best he could in that count class. And then I might yell at a guy for getting a C because he's really a B or A student, but he just was a little bit lazy during that semester or that time. So again, you want to make sure you build those relationships, but really hold the guys accountable to their best standard. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm curious. So it sounds like your, your role is not dissimilar from that of what a coach might do, right? Whether right. it's getting in to, to do your weight work or, you know, getting the practice on time or studying the playbook, right? This is just a piece of that overall puzzle of making sure that they're holding themselves to account. So yeah. I'm curious, like how, how much of it is you, for lack of a better way to put it, chasing them down and how much of it is them proactively coming to you and saying, Hey, here's what's going on. And so I think the biggest thing in our role in this, any academic coordinator or even what they call it specifically when I was at Baylor as an academic coach. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So just to go into what you were saying, some is this job is so relationship based, whether it's us relationships with our student athletes, our colleagues, the players, um, senior administration and different things like that. So that's where I said I try to build relationships with guys um, from the time they come in on a recruiting visit to the time that they leave campus. And I tell all the recruits when they come, if you're the same guy you are today, three to four years from now, then I did you a disservice. And no discredit to the coaches, no discredit to their parents. But like if we didn't help you grow as a, as a young man or woman, I've worked with women's sports before, too, then we did you a disservice. Like this college decision is going to affect not just you, but you, your kids, your kids, kids, your family and different things like that. So you definitely want to make sure that we're giving them all the tools and the resources and showing them how to use those things. Um, obviously, the goal, the way the NCAA is set up is that you're going to graduate. So we mm -hmm. want to make sure here that we're. We're using, we're getting you engaged. We're showing you how to do those things so that you can be a life learner. 
Um, so, I, so like I said, the biggest thing is relationship. You do do some chasing. School isn't for everyone always. <laughs> they don't like it, right? Like you might do the work because you have to, but you don't necessarily like it. So right. there is some chasing involved to get back to your question. But it's once you start to build those relationships, just like you with your parents or, you know, your boss or your kids, you don't want to let them down, you know? So once you start to build some of those strong bonds with some of these students mm-hmm. where they, they come to you and say, hey, I didn't get this done or, hey, I'm struggling with this. I need some help. And so the better or faster you can build some of those relationships, the more successful you can be because, again, you're not chasing, but you're trying to tackle those problems before they become problems. Yeah. So you reference the fact that you've been at different schools Mm -hmm. and you've covered different sports, right? And so without getting into too much detail, I mean, you're at a place like Clemson, right? Right. The tippy top of all athletic programs in the whole country, right? You know, football, top two program, right? And that's the biggest money-making sport, right? So, right, like as compared to some of the other places you've been, women's sports, men's sports, other Mm -hmm. different types of sports, like is there a big difference based on where you're at now at Clemson versus some other places and some other programs? Yeah, and I would say the biggest thing is culture. Um, And (laughs) I I think one of the biggest things or one thing that people don't realize as much, and obviously I'm speaking from an academic sense, Mm -hmm. but coaches have more to do than the X's and O's. Like they have to build that culture. The type Mm -hmm. of students that they recruit matter. Um, In terms of GPA, and you can tell sometimes, uh, and they have it on the NCAA website with like APR scores and different things amongst coaches. Um, But it's really just the type of kids that they bring in and and the culture with that. Because when I was at Baylor, um, my first year, obviously, there was a transition I got there when Coach Rule first got there. Um, and so he had to do some things culturally. And as he began to recruit, we started reaching benchmarks of, you know, best GPA ever this term, best GPA this term, these many guys on academic honor roll this term. So like the type of guys you can bring. And I think from our job, it can be a blessing and a curse. You always want a coach to care about academics. Um, and so it's always a blessing for a student for to have a coach for that. But for me, it does add pressure, um, a good pressure, but it does add pressure because it's not just getting the guy through. You got a coach that actually cares and wants the guys to be successful and be the best version of themselves in the classroom. So that puts more onus on you to help make sure that you're holding the guys accountable on your end as well and not just leaving it up to the coaches or the student to figure it out. And so I can say here at Clemson, obviously, like you said, as a top two program, they, they can be more selective in who they choose to come here. And so... This has been from a standpoint where, again, like I said, everybody doesn't like school, but we don't have a lot of attitudes. Nobody's coming in here just, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. Um, you talk to them, you get them in, they do their work and, you know, they they try. And so that's been a blessing, like that's been a good thing here for sure. Where, Like I said, it, it's not a lot of chasing, it's more of just a managing and showing them why certain things are important or how it will be important to them later on in life. Yeah. And this this next question is coming strictly out of ignorance because right. I, I admittedly I am not an expert on NCAA rules, right. but but are there ever situations where the coaching staff comes to you and says, "Hey, you know, we want to bring so and so in. They're they're struggling academically. Do you have a role in the pre admission process, or is it only after they're admitted to the school?" So the. <laughs> It's hard to answer that. So yes and no. And it's not a bad way, but I think each school does it does it different. Okay. Here specifically, no, I don't have a big okay. role. 
they might, you know, coaches might say in a recruiting process, like, hey, this kid struggles a little bit or this kid has an IEP or different things coming out of high school. And so, and not just here specifically at Baylor, Virginia Tech. So right. we have a position called learning specialists and they mm-hmm. work with um, our student athletes that come in with different, you know, learning challenges or different IEPs and um, psychoeducational things that they have coming through high school and different things. So they help them learn and bridge that gap to help prepare them to be or get them through and teach them certain skills that they may have lacked growing up due to whichever reason. And so like, they're more of that pro. They help more in that process in terms of admittance and different things like that. But I mean, like I said, you don't run into too many of those issues. A lot of times, sometimes you might have one or two. Um, but again, it's not five or six or, you know, this whole position group or this side of the ball that are coming in with that much deficit um, in that way. And again, it's not a bad thing. It's nothing to be ashamed about if you do have those Mm -hmm. things, because again, that's my job. That's the learning specialist job to make sure that we give you the resources to be successful in that way. What would you say is the level of receptivity for an incoming freshman who you're making them aware of the resources that are there, but this is really the first time they're sort of on their own. It's a whole new environment. Are they proactive in coming in? You say, Hey, like I really need help. Or are they trying to do this on their own? I guess what I'm asking is like, so what are the biggest challenges you see with incoming freshmen? Yeah. And so biggest challenges, no matter what type of high school student you are, you are where transition to college is hard. Um, because you could come out of high school with a three eight and just never had to study, and now you get to college and you're sitting in hour long lectures and you got to learn how to take notes and do different things. And sometimes the teacher assigns readings and they're lecturing on something different than the readings, and you were supposed to read read the readings to take notes because that's what's going to be on the test. And so you don't do that necessarily all the time in high school. So you can mm-hmm. be a three A student, but you have to learn how to study. You have to learn how to take notes, and then you could be a guy or girl that comes in you know, barely made it eligible and came in at it with a two, three, and mm-hmm. we have to teach you how to be a college level student and different things. And, and sometimes, like I said, school just comes hard to some people. Some people just don't know any better. And so our resources here are mandatory your freshman year. Um, and okay. so we want to make sure that you use the resources, but again, not in a bad way, not in a way as punishment, but we want to show you the resources we have. We assign our guys a strategic mentor when they first get here. Um, and it's typically a graduate level student that helps them um, learn how to look at a syllabi and dissect that and, and plan their weeks and see what's important and how. And so when they're a sophomore, that they can try to do some of that on their own. And, and that's what we want to do. We want to get them engaged. All of our tutor rooms here have whiteboard erased walls and different things. So we want to make sure that they can get up and be engaged in these tutor sessions and these mentor sessions and do different things so that as they start to transition out when they're sophomores, they need less, less support. Again, the support is here to help them no matter what, because again, if like you were talking about earlier with the strength coaches and different things, if they're taking muscle milk and doing all these things to get stronger and, you know, recover faster, like you're taking notes, you're a good student and you can get a B, We'll come in and use our resources and get an A. So we want to get them acclimated to the resources when they first get here. And then tutoring is always going to be one of those things where, again, it's, it's need-based. Um, but 
again, our rooms are easily for our, our guys and girls to come in and check in and say, hey, I just want a quiet space because you're going to be in your dorm and you're going to be in your apartment and people are going to be playing games and, and talking and doing different things. So we want to make this a fun environment, not just a bad place. And um, and so we've had some success doing that. And we have guys that now that have graduated, went on a plate in the league and came back to go to grad school. And they still use our tutoring space as just a quiet space to get some work done. That's awesome. Um yeah, like it, I, I when you were talking and giving that answer, I thought about my freshman year and I wasn't a division one athlete. And I, it took yeah. me, I spent so much time my first year learning how to study, right? Going to a lecture hall with hundreds of kids. I had no idea what I was doing. So if you're if you're a full-time athlete and you're a full-time student and right. you don't know how to do that, yeah, I mean it's almost it's almost necessary that you have those resources at your disposal because otherwise you, you, you drown. Yeah. And, and so I was a first generation college student. And so I didn't know what questions to ask. And then when I did know the question, I didn't even know who to go ask the question to. Right. So to have this support, you know, mandatory for you and in a, in a place where you got to be 10 hours a week as a freshman here, specifically at Clemson, where you'll have that person. Or if you don't know what to ask, that's why I have those meetings with you. And you kind of almost lean into questions where I'm asking questions to get you to try to ask a question sometimes. And so, again, like I said, I think the biggest thing is really just building those relationships because some people don't know what to ask or they're scared to ask for help. Sure. And they never had to ask for help before. I mean, you're talking about these world-class athletes that are have been really good at something that they put all their time and effort to. And then it's something that they might struggle in or they just don't like. And it's like, I, don't, I really don't know how I feel about this, or I don't know what questions I have, you know? And so I guess more so the same way you kind of asked me the problems I see, what are some of the questions that you guys get of saying like, well, with that transition phase coming from high school to college or just the recruiting process in general? Yeah, I, I think for me, it's the big one is the ability to ask for help and mm-hmm. use the resources, right? And right. and that applies across the board. It's not just academically, it's mm-hmm from a mental health perspective, it's from a fitness perspective, it's Mm -hmm. from, you know, all these different areas that when you leave high school, particularly the kind of athlete you're getting, right? Who's probably been catered to for the last three or four or six years, right? right? They've always been the star. Mm -hmm. They've never been away from home, right? I'm a first generation college student as well. My parents didn't go to college, right? right? So when I went, I was the same boat as you, right? So like, what, what, what we're seeing is, is like, hey, these kids are coming in and I think they're not ready for what they're about to face, but they're also not used to asking for help. Yeah. And I think that that's what I'd love to get across in these conversations is, is that it's okay to ask for help. <laughs> yep. And that what I've heard people tell me is, you know, on this show, on this podcast, you know, somebody, the head of mental conditioning for IMG Academy told me, she said, the most successful students that she sees, student athletes that they see coming out of there are the ones that know how to use the resources. Yeah. And so that's something that's really stuck with me from the beginning, because if you come in there and you're taking advantage of everything that, that, that the school has to offer, and there's a lot, mm-hmm. you're putting yourself so far ahead mm-hmm. the, of the line to be successful immediately. And that's really what this is about, right? How do we get to a point where we're successful as soon as possible, as opposed to getting to our junior year and then, oh, I just figured it out now. Right. Yeah, I think that's the I, biggest challenge. And that's one of the things I always say. And, you know, obviously <laughs> I work in academics. So a lot of times people say, oh, well, we posted this team GPA or we have this GSR or APR, which is academic progress rate, which is so it's just 
people see those numbers and they're like, oh, what are you doing or what are you not doing? Or, you know, or they praise you or they, you know, frown upon you about what, depending on what those numbers look like. And it's, right. I mean, again, we're advisors, right? <laughs> we're coordinators. Right. So we're advising you what to do. We're showing you the resources and how to use them. But ultimately it's, it's on you to take advantage of those. And so I grade myself on how many of those students that I reach and get to help tran- mm-hmm. transition because some were going to get it. Some will get it late. And some will never get it at all. And I mean, but as many as you can get to not get that last step, then that's how you want to grade your success. Mm. And at least in our field, right? Like, don't ever take credit for A's. I had a mentor once say, don't ever take credit for A's and don't ever take credit for F's. You know, and because again, at the end of the day, you can only lead the horse to the water. You can't make them. Sure. So, so I, yeah, I think we really give those resources to the students. And like you said, of just showing them that way. And so like when you have GAs coming in here using the space and you have f- seniors coming in here for tutoring and doing study hall, it shows the younger guys, well, man, he's about to be a first round pick or this guy is doing this and he's a leader in our, in our position group and he's still coming in here getting his work done. You know, and so that shows them and sets the standard. Um, and again, obviously, the motto here is best is the standard. So mm-hmm. and it's not just in football. It's all aspects where you got position groups fighting for, you know, best GPA and, and different things like that. So you're going to be pushed athletically and academically. And so you want to make sure that you have all the resources to be able to, pro, you know, essentially um, perform on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes back to what you were saying initially, which is it's a culture, right? You're creating a culture within the program to say this is important. And if you're not treating it as important, you're probably you're probably going to be behind the eight ball because we value this as a program. And I think that that's really, really critical. I also think what you said is really important because I, I deal with this as well, right? Like I work with athletes mm-hmm. on the mental side of their sport, right? If they're not putting in the time and energy to practice, to put in the reps, to really engage in it, like I'm not responsible ultimately for their success or failure. I'm just a guide. I'm just a resource. And if I can help them, that's great. And a lot of times it is me caring about them holistically as a person. Like I care about you. I want to see you succeed. Whether or not you succeed or not doesn't matter to me. I still care about you. And I think that goes a long way to motivating people to say like, hey, this person really cares about me. I don't want to let them down, but they're also not like shaming me or getting on me if I don't do this because it's right now, it's not that important to me, but maybe that'll change when I'm a senior and I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm at risk of not graduating or something. And then, you know, the light bulb goes off, but you know, it's not because you didn't try hard. And that's what I'm hearing from you. It's like, Hey, yeah, and and that's a hundred percent of the thing where we work with our students day in and day out and like I said, they all come from different backgrounds. And that's why the relationship piece is big because different things motivate different guys, right? Mm-hmm, right. Some come in with kids or some come in at their first generation. So they want to set the academic and athletic tone for their family and do different things. So like they have different motivations. So you really want to get to the point of seeing what motivates them and then use that as a carrot and kind of push and, and hold them to that standard. And, and that's really the thing is where, like I said, you whatever you are, we're going to push you to be that, that you can't come in anything less. Like granted, sometimes mm-hmm. you're, you could be a really good student and you can get by with a three Oh or two nine or whatever, but like, that's not the best version of yourself, you know? And so that's one of the things where, like you said, you do want to hold people accountable. And we do, I think we do a, a bit, a really good job at that in terms of just tutoring and the reports that we send on whether guys are late or miss or what's actually going on in the tutoring session. Well, this guy came to the tutoring session, he didn't bring any books. Well, what are they supposed to tutor on if you're not prepared, you know, and different things like that. Or 
hey, this guy came in, He the, the teacher had a lecture and he had a few questions that he wanted me to follow up on. And so that's what I'm saying. You don't want to just report the negative, but you want to, hey, good job. I heard you, you came to your tutoring procession prepared and got some things done. And, and so those are, those are the things that you want to push because I tell the guys like, we like we don't we're not check, telling you coach that you're not on time and obviously we're holding you accountable and right now it doesn't look like it's important but nobody's gonna remind you to pay bills like they're gonna send you a notice just like we sent you a notification on when your time <laughs> when your tutoring appointment was and you got to pay it you either got like you know or get a late fee or do different things so like right. these rules these things that we're teaching you these skills sure. it's coming from an academic sense but like these are lifelong lessons that are going to help you be a better person later on in life yeah so you know, in terms of tailoring the approach to the athlete, right, to each individual, like, what's that look like when they come in the door? Are you doing like, like, like initially when they come in and you're yeah. meeting them for the first time, are you doing like an in- interview with them? You come in, you talk to them, like, what kinds of things are you doing to assess where they're at as, as, as student athletes? So a lot of that interviewing, I guess, would say would come from the coaches initially in terms of okay. recruiting a kid, you know, and so they go to the parents' homes, they go to the schools, they meet with the coaches, they meet with the cousins and uncles and, you know, and different things like that. Mm -hmm. So they get a real good grasp on the kid before the student gets here. And then they relay some of that information to us. Um, And then based off that information, we want to use some of that to build where we are with them. And I give them a little bit about myself and tell them where I'm from, what, Mm -hmm. you know, I grew up in a single parent household and my dad was incarcerated when I was younger. And so, so I give them stuff about myself, like, and show them the vulnerability in that space. Right. Because I get paid to help them. Right. I get paid to show them the resources and to be a resource for them. And they know that, but you have to build that relationship to show them that like, I care about you, not just because I get paid to, but because I genuinely care about who you are as a person. Kind of going into what you said just a minute ago, but I I think so you're building that relationship. You're asking those questions. And I tell the guys, you know, well, you're going to be, you're going to have different interests. Football can stop halfway through your time here as soon as you leave here, or you can go be a pro and it's going to stop. But like, what are you going to do after that? What other, what other things interest you? If you couldn't play football again, or, you know, I work with, if you couldn't play tennis again, um, like what would you do and still be happy? And so like, those are the type of things you want to question and kind of getting into some more of that transitional phase. You see a lot of students come in, especially from a football sense, but other ones as well, where I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. I want to mm-hmm. be some kind of scientist or engineer because, oh, if I don't make it, I want to work a job that still pays, you know, six figures, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But like they have no interest in it. And just like if you don't love ball, you're not going to be good at it. It's going to be it's going to be more painful mm-hmm. for you to do than enjoyable. And so with the school piece of it, you know, find something that you really enjoy doing, whether it's art or history or poetry and different mm-hmm. things like that and be be the best at it. Um, and I talked to him about being irreplaceable in all aspects of life and just talked to him about that where it's you got to be the best brother. You got to be the best mother. Or you got to be the best father or the best player because doctors don't get paid a lot of money because they're doctors. It's because not everybody can be a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, lawyers don't get paid a lot of money because they're lawyers. It's because they're good at their job. They're making sure people either go to jail for doing wrong things or <laughs> or, or keeping people out of jail that shouldn't be going to jail and doing mm-hmm. things. So. I mean, when you look at it from that standpoint, you want to be irreplaceable in class too. So they're like, well, I want to make a lot of money if I don't make it. Well, if you're the best poet, you're going to make a lot of money. (laughs) You know, if you're the best coach, Mm -hmm. you're going to make a lot of money. You just have to become irreplaceable. And I always throw out the thing where Udonis Haslam has been playing for the Heat forever. Mm -hmm. But when's the last time he logged a minute? 
He's a good locker room guy. He's a culture guy. He does things the right way. People are paying him to show the young guys the right way to be an NBA player. So when you make it to that next level, if you come to school and you you show up on time and you're at the meetings and you're vocal and you you show film, you don't cut corners and you make it to the next level, you're going to stick around for a while. You mm-hmm. might make it to that second contract, maybe even third contract. But if you just go about all lackadaisical, you know, and just don't do things mm-hmm. the right way, your time's going to be short. Every year there's somebody that runs a 4-3. Every year there's somebody, you know, throwing for 3,000 yards. Like mm-hmm. you're easy replaceable if you're not doing the little things. And so, like I said, the things we it comes from an academic side of things, but we're teaching you all right. the little things to be successful and to make yourself in turn, you know, irreplaceable in all aspects of life and not just your sport, but other things as well. Okay. So I'm going to go backwards a bit. So what what motivated you to get into this line of work? So if you ask anybody this question that does this job, I probably would say probably 80% of them probably just fell into it. So I actually went to West Virginia as in grad school and I was supposed to be a basketball GA. Um, I was a basketball manager at Old Dominion in undergrad. And so I wanted to work in operations and recruiting. So I went to West Virginia and wanted to do that. And, uh, one for one reason or another, things didn't work out. So I still didn't want to pay for school. So I started looking for other graduate assistant opportunities. And I wrote my, I sent my cover letter and resume to Brady Rourke. He's at Maryland now, I think. And he gave me a chance. I had a, I was, you know, fresh out of undergrad, had an office inside the football stadium and I'm meeting all these guys and from different backgrounds and helping them with mm-hmm. school. And I, I just kind of fell in love with it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I was saying earlier with the IEPs, I have a younger brother, you know, who had an IEP in high school. And so n- being at a public school, you don't always get the resources, you, you know, that you need or, or different things. And then I went to college and saw the basketball team not use all the resources that were provided to them, you know? And mm-hmm. so I just made it, a goal in my life to where I want to work with the guys that not only struggle, but show them these resources that can help them prepare them for life after ball, whenever that may be. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of my why and why I do things. Um, but like I said, I want to be the person that the guys come to when they don't know what question to ask, I can give them the question and also who they can ask the questions to. So yeah. that that's just what I want to do. And again, the, the ball, the ball stops at some point. And so yeah. I, I just want to make sure that we're all successful at some point and and I truly just do it for the love of it. Um none of us are in this business for the money, but but yeah. um again, I, I it's just for the love and seeing seeing people walk across that stage and then, you know, you get your joy and you get those messages of thank yous from the guys and their parents and you know, they send you baby pictures and different things like that. And and that's when you know, like, hey, I really I really had an impact on that person's mm-hmm. life. And and then that's where you get that's where you get your joy from it. You know, we we, we argue and we fight while you're here. But right. if you take something with you from here, from it, then I mean, that's 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 what makes us happy. Yeah. Well, it's like being, it's like being part of a family, right? It's like being a big brother or, or a father, right? A father figure, like you're, you're, you're going to, you're going to have crosswords every now and then you're not always going to see eye to eye, but it's about the intent, right? The intent yeah. is to make sure you're a better person on the backside of this. And sometimes you got to go through hard times to get there. Sure. Um, I, I guess I was curious when you were talking about that, right? Cause a lot of this is about life after football, life after sport. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about what's, what's my career going to look like in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, how much interface or how much interaction do you have with say like a career services office in terms of helping guys, especially the guys who don't look like they're going to be 
professional players, right? They're not going to be drafted or what have you. Like how much work are you doing on that end to try to get them kind of pointed in the right direction in terms of career? Yeah. And so I would say that's more of that relationship piece I was talking about. Um, as you guys are getting recruited and listening to this and different things like that, most schools have a program or a department called student athlete development. And so at most schools, they'll have these things where, you know, they'll have different forums and workshops mm-hmm. where they'll teach you how to teach you about leadership and they'll have some leadership academies and they'll teach you how to do resumes and get you internships and do different things. And They'll work with some career services things, but they'll do a lot of that stuff in-house in the athletic department because your schedule is going to be more rigorous than some of the traditional students. Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure that we cater those things around. Um, And then specifically here at at Clemson, you know, we have Paul Journey, which is a student-athlete development program housed within football. And so we have guys, I had a mid-year student this year who literally did an internship already. and he's 17, supposed to still be in high school, already already got some internship hours in, looking forward to what he wants to do after ball, you know? And so we cater those things to you around your football schedule. So it, it's really big here where sometimes you might have practice or meetings during some of those events, but like we have a program where you're doing things freshman year, sophomore year, senior and junior year and other things in between, but like it's catered around football. So some of those things that for me, you know, I didn't have a lot of financial literacy growing up and doing those things mm-hmm. where they're going to give you that because hopefully one day you want to make a lot of money doing whatever you're doing. And so they're going to teach you how to manage that. What's taxes? <laughs> you know, what's insurance look like? You know, <laughs> like you don't learn that in school. So, so right. we have we have that those things in house. And I think that's one of the best things we have to offer is because, again, school is first. That's one of our first pillars. So, like, we're going to teach you how to be the best student. We're going to help mm-hmm. you and give you the resources for that. You're going to have fun. You're going to play football. You're going to be the best at that. But like, we're going to prepare you for life after. And uh, I think that, like I said, our our version of that, Paul Journey, does a really good job of helping our guys with job placement, whether they do go to the league and afterwards, or, you know, they decide that they're done playing ball when they leave here and help them out. Excellent. So if if you had to give one piece of advice to an incoming freshman, mm-hmm. what would it be? <sighs> You already hit me with the ask questions. I would say, I think I would just say come in with the growth mindset. Like be willing to, I mean, you're going to face so much adversity. I mean, practice is going to be different than you've ever seen before. Your schedule is going to be different than you've ever had before. And so just be ready to come in and and obviously be ready to adapt to change um, because it's going to happen Uh you got to get used to it. That's what the rest of your life is going to look like, um, honestly. And so it's better to have it now when it's structured, because once you graduate school or you get to the league and do different things, like it's just going to come at you so, from so many different ways. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you come in, you work out at five, six o'clock in the morning. You got class or tutoring or meetings with myself at eight o'clock. You know, then you got to find time to eat lunch. And obviously we help you manage that. Um, but you got to find time to eat lunch. And then you got meetings, position meetings, you got to watch some film, then you got to get back on the field, you know, then you got to do some recovery and some treatment, get you a good dinner, get some sleep and start all over, you know? So, I mean, your schedule, again, is going to be structured. And that's one thing that we do help with the transition. And I would say that student athletes probably have somewhat of an easier transition because there is a lot of structure in place than your traditional mm-hmm. student, um, especially your traditional not first generation student. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, just coming with the growth mindset because that that there's going to be so many things that you're not sure of or you know, you're meeting new people, your first time away from home potentially, and you're going to have 400 people, 300 things pulling you in different directions or hey, let's go party or hey, let's go do this. Let's play video games, but you know, you really got to focus mm-hmm. and, and and really stay stay close on to that. Go ahead. So I'm going to ask you the hard follow-on question. How many of the athletes, right? What like what proportion of the athletes actually come in with a growth mindset? Because I can tell you, I work with all high school athletes. That's yeah. that's my bread and butter. And I can tell you the biggest challenge or the biggest um, personality trait is they're really hard on themselves. Yeah. They're perfectionists, right? They're, right? they're used to being great. Yeah. And when things don't go their way, they have a really hard time with it. And that's just a very, very common thread that I see. So like, I love teaching growth mindset to kids. I think it's really important, but I find most of them, not only do they not have it, but they don't almost don't understand it. So like, what's the reality of that? Uh, I think it just really depends on background. And so like, you'll have some kids who come in where they have a little bit of a rougher background. So they had to grow up a little faster. So mm-hmm. they're used and they can kind of, you know, talk their way through some things or have some forethought on some things. And they also can try to talk their way out of things a little bit, you know, just mm-hmm. through to experience. And then you have some people who come in a little shelter. Um, and so they don't know what's what what it is. And mm-hmm. they're, someone's always told them the right way or the wrong way. And they just followed the steps by steps to get to that point of wherever they're trying to go. And so... I would say it's probably 50, 50. It just depends. Um, but you do have some kids that come in and I mean, like I said, I think this semester we had three mid-year freshmen, not in easy majors have 4.0. So like, you know, where like, mm-hmm. I want to be the best. Like I had a freshman already asked me, what does it take to be an academic All-American? Like not, a, not you know, what, is it, what do I need to do on the field or what's good enough to get by? But like, I want to be the best. Like I want to be an academic All-American. Mm-hmm. So like, that's that growth mindset. Like they want to be the mm-hmm. best version of themselves and they're, they're willing to adapt to change and do different things. Mm-hmm. And, or how fast can I graduate? I want to get a master's, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's, it's really just 50, 50. But again, mm-hmm. like I said, me and part of that process and building those relationships and seeing what motivates them mm-hmm. and pushes them what that drive is, is pushing them to that way to see like, mm-hmm. what else can I do besides football? And that's another thing, like you said, with that mental health mm-hmm. is that they, all they know is, oh, I'm an athlete, or that's how they're identified as, oh, you're a good athlete, or you play this sport, you're a football player, you're, you're a soccer player. And so showing them that they're more, it's more to them than that, and that they can be good at more than one thing, you know? And sometimes, you know, for, for better or worse, you know, some coaches might in high school might say, well, we really need to focus on football and you can just get by in school, you know? And hindsight, like, obviously it might've helped them get to where they were from an athletic standpoint, but then they're going to struggle when they get here, you know? And so, trying to show them to be their best at all mm-hmm. aspects is really just the biggest thing and trying to help them get to that growth side of things. Yeah, that makes that makes complete sense. So here's this will be the last question for you. So just like I asked you for one piece of advice for the student athlete, what would be one piece of advice that you have for parents? Um, ask all the questions. I mean, like I said, this recruiting decision, like when you're, going, when you're choosing a school, I mean, you have kids that pick schools, because like, and they want to major in one thing and that school doesn't even offer that major, you know, and the, but they go because of the logo or because of playing time or this thing and that thing. And so 
really just ask all the questions. Some schools are going to talk to you about graduation plans. What does that really look like? Mm-hmm. Um, again, we all, we're all going to say it, but who really has a plan for your child to do what mm-hmm. we're saying that they're going to do? Student athlete development. We're going to teach them these things, you know, like ask them, what does that look like? What are we teaching them? How, how can my kid access these things? You know, because again, they are going to be busy and we mm-hmm. do structure these things for them. But sometimes, you know, when you're working with 300 to 700 different student athletes all at the same time at these mm-hmm. different schools, it's hard to cater to everyone's schedule, you know? So you really want to make sure you ask those questions and, and different things, because obviously now you see everybody's transferring after their freshman year for, or I didn't play, or this was, I wasn't happy because of this or that. And so, I mean, this is a big decision for you. And so to try to avoid all that, you want to make sure that you know what you're really stepping you're stepping into. And mm-hmm. again, you're being recruited. So obviously ask those questions and they'll, you know, I would say there's a good, a good amount of coaches that are going to give you, tell you the truth, but obviously we know some of them are going to tell you what they need to tell you to get you there. But, but like I said, we, again, obviously I work here. So it sounds like I'm, I'm saying we do the right thing, but, but no, for sure. I I really think that like we do a really good job of telling the kids what it's going to look like, how the coaches are going to be on you, how hard they're going to be on you, what, what what I'm going to do, what study hall looks like, what the rigorous of class looks like, what your schedule is going to look like. Because if you lie to them and you don't tell them the truth or you don't ask the right questions, then you don't know what mm-hmm. you're getting into. And that's where, you, again, you're, you're a semester in, two years in, and you don't really know what you got. Yeah, that comes up a lot on my end in terms of, and I, and I advise, you know, and I've heard somebody, someone said this to me recently and I, I, I don't know who to give credit to because I can't remember, but they said, you know, you should recruit the school as much as the school recruits you, right? Because exactly. it's about, it's about the fit, right? Like, okay. Like, I mean, listen, Clemson's sort of an, an outlier, right? Like if right. Clemson offers you a scholarship, it's really hard to like look that in the face and say like, oh, I'm going to go to, you know, Coastal Carolina because it's yeah. a better fit. But at the same time, it might be a better fit, right? It might, be. It, it might be a better fit for you. You want a smaller school. You want to be near the beach. Whatever it is that's important to you, you have to ask those questions of the coaching staff, of the support staff to understand, like, what am I getting into here? Because it's not just a matter of putting on the gear, the purple and orange, right? It's about actually going there and living your life. And if it's not a good fit, I don't care how good of a school it is, you're not going to be happy. Yeah. And so I, I think just with that is, like I said, ask the questions. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to tell you, you know, I meet with parents like obviously with like COVID and everything, recruiting open back up. So I've been meeting with kids and parents straight for the last couple of weeks on their visits and doing the camp circuits and different things like that. And they've all asked questions, you know, but sometimes they don't know what questions to ask because they're, yeah. they've never been to college and they don't know what it looks yeah. like. And it's just say that. Tell, I mean, I've had, I have, I've had a parent come to me and say, like this, this whole process has been overwhelming. Like I didn't go to college and I'm going to all these different places because my son is good at football. And I like, I just don't know what to ask. I don't know what this really looks like. Be, you Again, you do got to step out your box a little bit and maybe pull that person to the side or mm-hmm. typically we all give out our cards. Just give us a call on the back end so we can answer those questions for you. Because again, this is, this is a big decision, not just for the student, but for their family. And so I would say for parents, really, truly ask the questions. Um, And if you don't know what questions to ask, um, definitely just say that. And, you know, I I would say, especially from my side of things, from an academic coordinator side of things, and not just me, but my colleagues throughout the country, like, they're going to let you know what you're you're getting into. And I'll even tell you whatever questions to ask at other places and different things as well. Yeah, that's great advice. So with that, 
I mean, I appreciate your time here. It was great to have you on. And yeah. I think that, you know, in truth, in truth, like this is a great conversation for parents to hear and for student athletes to hear, because I think a lot of times we talk about the sports side of things right. and we're not focused on the academic side of things. And I think the insight that you've kind of brought to the, to the process and helping them understand like how to ask those questions, what the resources are is going to be invaluable to the people who are listening. So for that, I thank you for coming on and hopefully we can stay in touch and maybe do it again in the future. Yes, for sure. Again, um, you have my contact information and everything. So when it publishes, if anybody has questions, definitely tell them, tell them to reach out, um, send me an email and I can, I can follow with anything, but it's been great. Excellent. Thanks, Devine. Take care. So what was your biggest takeaway from my conversation with Devine Franklin? For me, it was that student athletes would be wise to fully utilize all of the resources made available by the universities. Professionals like Devine are focused on ensuring that young men and women not only succeed on and off the field during their four years of college, but position themselves for success for 40 years after. My suggestion to high school student athletes would be to understand all of the resources that are available to them before arriving on campus and to have a plan to maximize use of those resources when they arrive on campus. I want to thank Devine for his kind generosity and the wisdom he shared with the Freshman Foundation community. You can contact Devine on Twitter at Devine underscore thought five. That's D-I-V-I-N-E underscore T-H-O-U-G-H-T five or at DevineF at Clemson.edu. Of course, you can learn more about the Freshman Foundation on our website at freshmanfoundation.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back soon for episode 18. Mike Huber is the founder and owner of Follow the Ball Coaching, located in Fairhaven, New Jersey. He is a mental performance coach and business advisor dedicated to serving athletes just like you reach their full potential on and off the court. The Freshman Foundation is all about helping you get to the next level. For more information, follow along on Instagram at The Freshman Foundation. Please subscribe. Give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, leave a review, tell a friend. Most importantly, come back in two weeks ready to get better.